now go into the Word. I want to inform you that we'll be doing part two of this series I started a few weeks ago. Do you, oh, it's echoing. Did any of you guys remember the title of this series I started a few weeks ago? Mask off. Mask off. Mask off. I think that was uh, my dear sister Esther just doing a hand gesture for mask off, removing the mask. And before we go into that, I want us to pray. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you this morning. I thank you for all that you've done in our life. I thank you for an opportunity to bring us here today to church, to hear your word, to be with one another. Father, I pray just like the way we worshipped in the songs. Let your spirit be here. Let your spirit dwell here. Let your presence be in this place that we will just not be here to tick off a box, but we'll be here to break boxes that have tried to hold us bound so that we can be free in your presence, to, to be free in the arms of our Heavenly Father, to run with the Holy Spirit, to celebrate our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for all he's done for us. We say thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. There's going to be a lot of scriptures that I'm going to be flying through today. So for those of you that are not keeping up, please do take notes. Um, please turn with me to the book of John chapter 5. John chapter 5. And I'm going to read from verse 1 through to 9. John chapter 5. While you guys are doing that, um, what was part one of the series I started a few weeks ago? What was part one of this series? We know the series is entitled Mask Off. Does anyone remember part one? come as you are and in that we discussed the various masks that we wear um, either due to circumstance due to things that has happened in our past in our lives and the dangers and the damages that wearing those masks what it does to us especially as believers how that mask can hinder our relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and how we can grow in our faith and how being our, our true authentic selves really helps us grow in the Lord and grow with one another and I'll be showing you what title number two is. But as we there, are we there now? John chapter five? Great. John chapter five, verse one through to nine. And after there was a great feast. So Jimmy, if you could just time me, please. And there was a great feast there of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there, now there in Jerusalem, by the sheep's gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, with five porches, with five porches. In these, they lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for a movement in the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made, was made well of whatever disease he had. Verse 5. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew he had already been in that condition for a long time. And he said to him, do you want to be made well? Verse 7. Then the sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps in before me. Verse 8. Then Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately... The man was made well. He took up his bed and walked, and that was the Sabbath day. Blessed be the word of the Lord. I love this because I shared a sermon, I think it was like four or five years ago, if PK remembers. And when I remember doing that sermon, I remember studying this. And as a child, I've always heard the story of the, the man by the pool of Bethesda, by the pool of Bethesda. 
And when they go into the pool, the, the angel comes down and stirs the water and then, voila, you're healed, you're changed, everything in you, you're, you're blessed, you're strong, you're made new. And I really believe that. And I remember when I was planning on doing that sermon, I had that thought in mind and I, I was basing my whole sermon on that and the direction of going into the pool and the angels of the Lord healing you. And what I didn't know that was going to happen was upon doing greater study and deeper study of the historical context of that, I didn't actually realize a lot of that was traditions of man that they believed in that time. People going into the pool to be stirred and the angel coming in, but it's what they believed, but wasn't necessarily true. And why is that, why is that important? Because we see Jesus says, take up your bed and walk. Rise up, take up your bed and walk. He didn't confirm with him. He didn't even say, oh yeah, that's true. Just take up your bed and walk. What happens here is that this man is there telling Jesus all the reasons why his life is the way it is. He sees the solution, but he can't get in the pool to be healed and be made whole. And Jesus says, take up your bed and walk. Why am I sharing this with you? I'm sharing this with you because Jesus asked this man a significant question. Do you want to be made well? Turn to the person next to you and ask them, do you want to be made well? Turn to the other person next to you and ask them, do, they, do you want to be made well? If there's no one there, I'm still expecting you to do that. And some people are still looking at me. Turn to the person behind you and ask them, do you want to be made well? I love the people right at the back. They decided to look at the wall. I love that. I love that. I love that. But why this is important? Because you have to ask yourself, if Jesus see that somebody had this issue for this length of time, why would you ask them if they want to be made well? I've come to understand that sometimes we allow our condition and we call it our character. I am, I am the way I am because of this is my life. I am the way I am because this is what I've been through. I am the way I am. This is me. Or are you, well, they, 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 they've made it in life. They've got all the money. Look at them. They've got the silver spoon. They've got all this. But I'm over here because of this situation or that situation or my upbringing or generational curse or my family or this and that and the other. But the question is, do you want to be made well? In life, you can have results or excuses, but you can't have both. In life, you can either have results or excuses, but you can't have both. And Jesus asked this guy, do you want to be made well? Which takes me to the title of the sermon. Part one was Mask Off, Come As You Are, where we explored the issues that we have and us to come boldly to the throne of grace, making our request known. And part two of the title is, It Is Well. It is well. Do you want to be made well? It is well. Jesus tells this man to take up his bed and walk on the Sabbath day. An insult to the people of that time. You're not even allowed to carry your bed. It's against the law on the Sabbath day in that, point, in that moment in time. Do you want to be made well? What excuses are you bringing? But every time I try to go and someone gets in before me. Every time I, I try to get another job, you know, maybe it's because of the color of my skin. Or every time I try to get there because something's holding me back. Every time I try to get there, somebody, somebody's always saying something bad about me. The question is, do you want to be made well? Because the word of God tells me that my God is bigger than any of my situations and circumstances. Do you want to be made well? It is well. I've come to believe that we must understand that God is bigger than our excuses. I've come to believe and understand that God is bigger than all of our problems. I've come to believe and understand that God is bigger than anything I may face in the future because God has already brought me from something more painful in my past. Do you believe that something is great that is coming 
in your future? Do you believe that God is about to bring a change or a turning around in your life? Emmanuel, why are you sharing this sermon? This has got nothing to do with me. So you may believe. But I've come to believe and understand that we serve a God that does great things. And at times, our seasons, our circumstances, or our personal individual situations may be a mask that we may take off. But we don't believe that abundant life is worthy for us to have. Yeah, man, I'm taking off the mask. I'm authentic. I'm genuine when I come to church. Yes, that, that may be true. But the question now is, do you believe there is something far greater than your current condition that God has in store for you? Do you believe? But Emmanuel, the mask off is not about me. Yeah, I heard everything that you said. Be vulnerable with God because vulnerability leads to your victory. I heard what you said, that when I'm genuine before God, then he changes my circumstance and I can be free. Yes, you can be free. But are you actually running with great faith? You can be free, but are you believing that God has something far greater in store for you? And today, the reason why I wanted to share this particular sermon is not only about mask off and come as you are, but mask off for you to find the greater thing that God has in store for you personally today. Turn with me to John chapter 4, and I'm going to read from verse 4 through to 30, and I'm going to jump through some of the scriptures. John chapter 4. In this point, I've entitled this that God is bigger than your shame. Verse 4, but he needed to go to Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Please remember that, the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Verse 9. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, a Samaritan woman? Jump down to verse 10. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him and he would have given you living water. I'll just pause there for a moment. Many of us have heard this story about Jesus and the woman at the well, to the well at the sixth hour. The sixth hour in that time was probably midday, scorching heat. She came alone, alone, in a time when women go together. She came alone. Why? Shame? Why? Her current circumstance? Why? The season she was in? Why? Because she was separated from everybody else because of the lifestyle that she had. She came alone. And at times when we wear masks in our life, the only people that know about what we're truly going through is ourselves. She came alone. She's handed water. She came alone during a time in the scorching heat, alone. The dangers of what could happen if she was to faint, being wary from the journey, she came alone. But what happens here? Why is this so significant? Jesus says, if you know the person who speaks to you, you can get living water. I share this because at times in our own personal seasons, we're going through our Christian journey alone. In the midst of people where everybody sees us, where everybody knows our names, and we smile and say, yeah, God is good, but they don't actually know what we're going through alone. Whether it's an illness, whether it's a pain, whether it's the past, whether it's an ex, whether it's a broken relationship, whether it's a loss of finance, whether it's parents that are dying, whether it's something that's happening deep inside of us, and we smile, we put on a brave face, but we still feel broken inside because we are going through it alone. 
the person wants to give you living water. Verse 13, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will, will, sorry, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. You know what I love about that fountain that lives within you? When you have that living water, that fountain, that you're not just going through the season after season after season in your walk with Christ, it becomes a greater blessing onto so many other people. I love as what Abim said earlier as, as she was doing the, the introductions and the things pertaining to what we're doing in life of church. She said, when you actually interact with so many other people within the church, you'll never know who somebody knows. You never know what somebody has. But when you're in that vicinity and you engage in conversation, you never know if the thing you're praying for is the person that's right next to you. God, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, but are you listening? God, I'm praying, I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm fasting, but have you heard the word of the Lord when he's told you, go and speak to so and so forth? Or go and bless so and so forth? Or go and ask them how they do it, not knowing that your blessing, your blessing is coming in a prize package that you don't see because you want it to come in a glitz and glamour. The problem is at times we've already mentally processed what and how it's going to come before us. We've already made up our minds that God is going to bless us in this way. God is going to do it in exactly that way and we forget that we serve a God of the unexpected. Do you want to be made well? The guy by the pool, do you want to be made well? It's an insult of a question. You see my condition. You see my condition. Do you want to be made well? But he's going deeper. He's going deeper than asking that. You're going through routine after routine after routine. And the reason why this is important, because one of the dangers as believers or as humans, whether you're a believer or not a believer alike, is that we are very good at giving people great information, great tips, but we fail to live it out for ourselves. Oh, we give people all the tips, yeah, you know, you need to do that. Or when you try and pray and fast and do this, or you know, if you try and do these things in business and you try and do these things in your life, then things will change. But the question is, are we doing it for ourselves? And one of the reasons why we don't do it for ourselves is because we don't believe of the fruit of it for ourselves, but we believe in the fruit of it for other people. We help all these people. We speak life to all these people. We share that and they tell us, oh, you're so great, man. I love what you do. You're so kind. You're so caring. And we eat those words. And what we do, we medicate of those words. But our situation has not changed. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Jump down with me to verse 18 of the scripture in John chapter 4. We're reading. For if you have, sorry, no, jump up, sorry, further. Let me go to verse 15. Then the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw water. The routine. Come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, go and call your husband. <laughs> come here. I love that. Sometimes I've read that. I read it with an Hollywood voice in my head. I got to call your husband. You can imagine it. What? My husband? My husband? Tell him to come here. The woman said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. That's where the dramatic Afrobeats music and everything else from those, ching, 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 just kind of, whoa, like, this guy really, really knows me. And the one whom you now have is not your husband in that you spoke truly. You know when the Nollywood tracks give you them organs? Du, 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 du. Like, wow. Even that one that you have now is not even your husband. You've had five. You've had five. But you know what the problem is? You've been wearing a mask and you know it, but nobody else does. But everybody knows that something fishy is going on. You've had five. You've had five. 
I, I want your living water. And the problem is that we want God's living water, but we want the same lifestyle at the same time. But we need to take off the mask and we need to come to God in truth and in spirit because that's when we will truly be made well. Verse 21, and Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming that when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. For you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Verse 23, but the hour is coming. The hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such to worship him. Verse 24, God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, who, I who speak to you am he. We're waiting, God, but you know, I'll probably get right when he's there. Three causes of change. There are three causes of change in our lives. You change during three different periods. Anticipation, adaptation, or crisis. Anticipation, adaptation, or crisis. The majority of us as human beings, we only change when crisis comes. When the crisis hits, they're like, oh my, now I need to get things together. She said, yeah, but when he comes, then I'll get things together. I am he. I'm here right now. I'm ready to deal with your issue right now. Do you want to be made well? Oh, but I've just come to church on the 10th of October. The year's nearly over. I've just come to church. I want to take off a box. Are you ready to be made well today? Are you just going to come and say amen and then leave it? That was a good sermon. And go back to the normal routine of getting water from the well, believing that it is well, and you know that deep down, things are not well in your life. Do you want to be made well today? Are you ready to take down that mask and actually put on the real mask of Christ where he washes you white as snow? Where he remembers your sin no more. Are you ready to be made well today? Do you truly believe that God is here not only to deliver you, but to bring a delivery to you? Yeah, but God has delivered me. Yeah, but he's got a delivery for you. The problem is, it's not like Amazon. You don't know when the time is going to come. But do you believe that delivery that he's got for you is far greater than your current situation or circumstance? Do you believe that God has something great for you? Why am I sharing this? Because I've come to see at times in my own life and in others, at times we say, you know what, God? I'm going to let go of that. But the question is that as you've let go of that, have you got your hands open to receive what he's about to give to you? And at times we put our hands in our pocket because we're still a bit disgruntled. We've let go, but we've now gone into that stage of behavior modification rather than heart transformation where God wants to give you something far greater. Do you want to be made well? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, 33. I love this scripture because we say it all the time. But seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. I remember one time doing a Bible study and as I was reading that scripture and I was reading about the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, it says, seek first, seek first. And me and wordplay, seek first, yeah, seek first the kingdom of God. God is first. Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. But what did the Samaritan woman actually ask for? She asked for living water. Why? Because she was thirsty with her five husbands, but now she's thirsty in a different way. The question is that, are you seeking first? Are you thirsty for God? To truly seek first the kingdom of God, you need to be thirsty for God. To truly seek first the kingdom of God, you actually need to say, you know, I, I need something to refresh me. I need something to make me new. I need something to make me feel different. Are you refreshed? Or are you going through the routine dry? Your dry bones and your dry hands and your dry toes. Are you ready to seek first? I'm being real today. Because guess what? We know about it when we're like, oh, we look ashy. 
But what happens if we are spiritually ashy? What happens if we are spiritually ashy and we need to seek first? As we seek first the kingdom, we need to seek first. We need to drink from the living well of his water that replenishes us, that makes us fresh, that makes us brand new from the inside out. That when we take the mask off, we don't have the craving to go back to the old things. Because at times we take the mask off, but when we're in a season and a dry season, you know the most exciting thing to have? The thing that you left behind. You go back to that, yeah. He wasn't so bad after all. But that job that God told me to leave, maybe, maybe I can compromise. Even though they wanted me to do things that was against my faith, maybe I can go back there because if I, if I don't go back there, how am I going to pay the bills, God? But do you trust God enough or do you believe that you're going to go through this day-to-day routine not knowing that something is far greater for you? Because I truly believe the moment we have the same belief that we have for others, for ourselves, our lives will change. What do we see in parents that have failed in their dreams? They try to fulfill their dreams through their children. Yeah, I'm just doing all this for my kids. I'm trying. But, oh, you forgot your dream. Forget that you've got purpose. But you think your purpose is for your child. No, your purpose is your purpose. Because sooner or later, your child is going to go and leave their mother and father and find their own bride and groom. And you're going to be sat there purposeless. Make sure you fulfill your purpose because God still has a purpose for you regardless of how your life and your past pains have come to haunt you. Do not let your past haunt you because that's the condemnation that comes from the enemy. But remember Christ who has redeemed you, who has saved you and has something far greater in store for you. As I said, point one there was seek first. The next one is seek rest. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. Seek rest. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. When you take that mask off and you want that wholeness that comes from God, he wants to give you rest. You know what true rest from God looks like? True rest from God looks like that you don't have to look back on the things that you're worrying about. True rest from God looks looks like you don't have to worry about the things that you still think are chasing you. As I was reading, I was thinking of the wonderful Peckham Boy lifestyle, some of my peers growing up. You go to the money, you look cool. You post for the gram, yeah, you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's giving you the likes. You've got even more money in an illegal fashion, but you're always looking over your shoulder. You're always looking over your shoulder. If it's not the police, it's, it's the ops or the people that are coming after to do an operation on you that make, make you lose your life, but you forgot that God is the only one that can save your soul. Are you ready to truly come to God Come to me if you labor that heavy laden. I want to give you rest. This is rest. I want to give you rest. I want to give you rest for your soul. The rest that no man can give you, the peace of God that no money, no paper, no people can ever give you. Because the peace that God gives you, even in the midst of a problem, you still find rest. That's the God that I serve. That's the God that I serve. The third thing within there, as I said, that seek first, seek rest, is also to seek wholeness. Seek wholeness. Because if there's one thing I love about the book of Luke, when you read from verse um, Luke chapter 17, from verse 11 to 19, we look at the 10 lepers. And in those 10 lepers that we see, what happens? They come to him and they, they ask him, they ask him, what do they say? They say in verse 13, and they lifted up their voice. He said, Jesus, master, have mercy on me, verse 14. So when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourself to the priest. And so as it was, as they went, they were cleansed. He didn't lay hands. He just said, go. Which means at times, maybe when God tells us to go, we're still standing there praying. But maybe the power is in the prayer and the faith that we need to have because faith without works is dead. So maybe your prayer is still dead because you're not working out and believing in the prayer that you have. Do you actually believe in the prayer that you're saying? 
Or you're just praying it because it's Christianese. You're just praying it because you've been conditioned to do that. You're praying it because your parents were prayer warriors. But you're a prayer warrior. You're just worrying, you're worrying. You're praying, but you're worrying. You're worrying, you're worrying. Are you a prayer warrior? Are you a prayer warrior? Which one are you? Go. But what happened? As 10 of them went, as 10 of them went, he said, go, show yourself to the priest. And as they went, the healing, the power, the process took place in the going, in the moving. As they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned with a loud voice to glorify God. When God makes you well, are you going back to glorify him? Or are you going to keep on going and boasting that you think you've done it? And then we come to this silly world that tells us, yeah, I'm man-made. I'm self-made. Can you imagine? Self-made, not knowing that life and chance happens to us all. Self-made, that if you was born in a desert land in one of those countries with no money, with no food, with no clothing, let's see if you'll still tell you that you're self-made there. Forgetting the God that is your true provider, the true gyro of your life. Wholeness. But why am I sharing this? Because at times, when we receive the blessing, we forget the one that brought us the breakthrough. But your wholeness doesn't come from the blessing. Your wholeness comes from the one that was your true source. Yeah, your true source. It's one thing to taste good food. It's another thing to know how to make it. Because when you can make it, then you can multiply it. When you multiply it, then you can become a true spiritual millionaire. What am I trying to say there? What I'm trying to say is this. At times, we're focused on what we've got. But we forgot the person who's given us the true gain. God should remember that God is the person that gives you wholeness. God is the one that changes you from the inside out. God is the one that you should thank in pain, in poverty, or even in greater provision. Because we're so focused on prosperity, we forgot the king of kings, the one that truly gives us life. To wake up this morning in this prosperity. To be in church this morning in this prosperity. To know that you know Jesus and you're not lost at sea is prosperity. But we're focused on what we see in the world and we're like, I want to be like them. Not knowing that the time was to pass and eternity was to be upon us. They want to be like us. What are you truly holding as value? Because you need to tell somebody it is well. It is well. It is well. It is well. Psalms chapter 65, verse 1 to 4. Praise is awaiting you, O God in Zion. And to you the vow shall perform. O you who hear prayer, to you all flesh will come. Iniquity prevails against me for our transgressions. For you will provide atonement for them. Blessed is the man you choose. Who's blessed? The man that God chooses. Blessed is the man that God chooses. Why am I sharing this? Because when you are in this church or in a church and serving a true and living God, you are a chosen people. When you are a chosen people, it is well with you. No matter your season or circumstance, it is well with you. Do you believe that you are a chosen people? Do you believe you are a chosen people? Do you believe you are somebody who God has saved and God who somebody wants to use? And I want to close with something that's quite significant. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8 through to 37. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8 through to 37. It's quite a long one. But there's a few things in this that I found really, really profound about this woman. Verse 8. And now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. Elisha, prophet, this woman is looking after him. Every time she's looking after him. Verse 8. 
And when she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes, he will turn in there. They're preparing a place for him. Like, this is a man of God. Let's look after him. Let's look after this man of God. Jump down with me to verse 12. Then he said to um, Gehazi, his servant, call, um, call the Shemanite woman. When he had called her, she stood there before him. And he, and, and, she, sorry, and he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Similar question that Jesus asked. That person, do you want to be made well? What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. So he said, what then, sorry, what then is it to be done for her? And then Gehazi, um, then Gehazi said, answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. You know why I love this? We forget that culturally in a time and in a season, <laughs> you need to have a son to continue the legacy. She's feeding this man of God. So look, I'm sorry, I'm cool. And how many of us do that at times? What can I do for you? What can I bless you? No, I'm all right, I'm cool. I'm all right, I'm cool. But sometimes we don't want to say because we may be embarrassed. Sometimes we don't want to say because we don't want to seem like a Christian complainer. Sometimes we don't want to say because we're not sure even if I told you what difference is it going to make. What can you do? Are you going to say, I pray for you, my brother and sister? No, no, and as soon as they say that, that was the prayer. They're not going back home to pray. And we wrestle and worry with that and we stay in this place. What can I do? And, she, and he says, look, she has no son and her husband is old. So he said, call her. And when, she, when he had called her, she stood at the doorway. And he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. Can you imagine a man of God just prophesying to your life? This time next year, that job that you've been looking for comes. This time next year, that situation that's been bothering you in your household is going to be diminished. The problem is that we're so consumed with the past, we forget the promise. It's going to come. It's going to come. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. And the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come, which Elijah had told her. She gained a son. She gained a son. She was helping a man of God and she gained a son. But why am I sharing this with you? Because at times, as I said, God wants to have your heart more, more than he wants to have your hand. Because her gaining the son was a fulfilled promise and a fulfilled prophecy, but she didn't know pain was about to come. Pain was about to come. Verse 19, sorry, verse 18. And the child grew, and when it had happened, one day he went out with his father to the reapers, and he said to his father, my head, my head. So he said to the servant, carry him to his mother. He's ill. He's ill. He's gone. He's gone. The boy's gone. He's waited for a son. The promise. But now comes pain. And at times, for some of us, the reason why we don't even want God's promise is because we're worried about the pain that might come after it. At times, for some of us, the reason why we don't want God's promise is because we're worried what prayer will we need to do after it. Sometimes we're worried about God's promise because like, God, what happens if you give me the promise that Abraham that gained the son, but now you might ask me to sacrifice it? What happens if I don't follow through? The son is gone. He's gone. Jump down with me to verse 23. So he said, where are you going to him today? 
Neva, sorry, no, verse 23, correct. So he said, why are you going to him today? Is it neither the new moon nor the Sabbath? And she said, it is well, verse 24. Then she saddled on a donkey and said to her servant, drive, go for, do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. She's on a mission now. She's on a mission now. Verse 26, jump down to 26. Please run now to meet her. Sir, please run now to meet her and say to her, it is, well, is it well with you? Ask the question. Is it, is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? What does the woman say? It is well. Hey, are you here? What's up? What's going on? Like, is everything all right? Is everything okay with you? Is everything all right with your life? Is everything all right with your husband? Is everything all right with your child? What does she say? She says, it is well. It is well. The question is that we can say it is well, but there's either a problem with that or there's a promise with that. If you say it is well and you're faking that you're still wearing a mask, it's problematic. If you say it is well that there is a problem, but you know God is going to do something different, then you're holding on to power. What happens? Verse 27. Now, when she came to the man of God on the hill, she caught him by his feet. But Gehazi came there to push her away. But the man of God says, let her alone. For her soul was in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. The man of God didn't know. Power in and prophetic, power in knowledge, but he didn't know. God hid it from him. Why? Because she needed to remove the mask in that moment of time. I said, wait, 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 no, no, no. I said it as well, but you know what? This is what's happening. My question to you guys today is that, are you going to do the same? Are you going to pretend like, yeah, it's well? Or are you going to do the same? Like, God, you know it's well, but it's, it's, it's just a lot. It's well, but I'm, I'm in pain. It's well, but I can't, I can't keep carrying this. It's well, but like this, I, I, I can't hold on to this, man. Grabbed him by the foot. Grabbed him by the foot. Remind me of Mary, where, where her brother Lazarus is, is dying. And what if she, she comes to Jesus? She falls down on his feet. It's well. It is well. It is well. But why is this powerful? Because the same way she said it as well. The same way a very unique man of God or hymnist said the same thing. Horatio G. Spafford, for those of you guys that know the song, It Is Well With My Soul, had a very similar situation. He didn't have a son. He had four daughters. Four daughters. Before that time, there was a fire that took place. And in this fire that took place in October 1871, it ruined everything, and he was a businessman, and it ruined everything. And you're like, wow, God, I serve you. I'm an honest man. I'm a faithful man. I've lost everything now. The problem is that when we ask people, tell me about yourself, people tell us about their job. You see, we find our identity in what we do and not who we are. But when it's truly well and we're truly people that are whole, we need to tell people about the Christ that lives within us. Tell me about yourself. But let me not digress. Shortly after crossing the Atlantic, four of his daughters passed away. All four, four of his daughters. And only his wife survived. Only his wife survived. And uh, there was a period of time, not too far from the incident of losing his four daughters. As he crossed, as he was going past it, the Holy Spirit dropped in him and inspired him the words. They speak to the eternal hope that all believers should have, no matter the pain, no matter the grief, no matter what happens here on earth, that it is well with my soul. A part of that hymn goes like this. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like the sea 
bellows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. No matter what you're going through as a believer, dropping the mask is stage one. But stage two is to encourage yourself in the Lord. Be honest with the Lord. Confess your sins to one another. Confess your needs to one another. But also remember that no matter what you're going through, God is going through it with you. Why? Because it is well with your soul. Bow your heads for me, please. I want to do something significant here today. I want to do something powerful and prophetic. And even if you're online, please take part in this. If you're a believer in this place today, but you have felt at times that, you know what, I'm getting by, I'm doing all right. I'm not holding on to my past, I'm not holding on to the sin, but you know what? I'm going through the mundane. I'm like the woman that's going to the well. I'm just going through it. The routine, the routine, the routine. But I'm looking for breakthrough. I'm looking for real breakthrough. Real breakthrough. See, John 10 tells us the enemies come to steal, kill, and destroy. But God has come to give us life and life more abundantly. So you've got the life, but have you got the abundant life? You know that there needs to be a change in your family, your children, your finances, your relationships. If that's you and you truly want to say that it is well, stand up, I want to pray. You thought I just want to stand up. If you're there at home, stand up. I just want to pray for you. With your hands to heaven, just stand up to your hands to heaven. See the breakthrough. See it with your eyes closed spiritually. Don't worry about anyone around you. If you're worried about people around you, then you might need to really ask yourself, is it well? As your hands are up, I want to pray for you. Raise your hands to heaven. Stand up and raise your hands to heaven. <laughs> Only please remain seated if you have an injury or if you cannot stand why this is significant of when Jesus told a man, stand, take up your bed and walk. <laughs> you don't see the enemy at times is telling you. Some of you at home are like, should I stand? I'm going to sit, I'm going to stand. You're doing this prophetically and you're doing it from a place in faith to the God that you claim you serve. Rise up, dear brother and sister, if this is for you. Heavenly Father, Lord God, as those that have risen, oh God, as they stand, they are standing out of the ashes. As they stand, they're standing out of the past. As they stand, they are standing, coming before the throne of grace, making their requests known. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that every hindrance that is holding them back, you break, oh God. Mentally, financially, spiritually, physically, break everything that is holding them bound. Those that are standing in faith online, I prophesy that your life is changed in Jesus' name. Those that are standing in this place today, this is not a school, this is not even a student union, this is holy ground. In the mighty name of Jesus, because you are standing, you are standing on that day of adversity. Because you are standing, you are standing to celebrate your future. Because you are standing, you are standing to know all that God has for you will come to fruition in Jesus' name. Because you are standing, you're telling the enemy that the enemy has fallen down. Because when somebody even wins a boxing match, they stand with their hands raised. Because the winner is raised. For when two fight, one raises the hand. I prophesy into your life today that you will be the winner. For God has made you a winner. Not for you to be glorified, for him to be glorified. For when Matthew 5.16 tells me, <laughs> that they will see your good works and be glory in heaven as your light shines. But we cannot put light underneath a lampstand, but we must raise it up 
For when we raise it up, that lampstand stands. Lord, may your people stand. In their workplaces, may they stand. In relationships, may they stand. In hardship, may they stand. In depression, may they stand. In darkness, may they stand. Father, I thank you for all that you've done and all you continue to do. For even the word of God where Paul tells us, when you, can all, when you can do all you have done and all you can do, stand and stand. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. As you take your seats, keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed. This is one thing for us to share a sermon and, and talk about it as well and to remove the mask. But believe it or not, if you are a non-believer that doesn't know Jesus,